Hello and welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe. Fringe Arts is Philadelphia's premier presenter of contemporary performing arts. My name is Raina Searles and I'm marketing manager here at Fringe. I'm Tanara Kalem and I'm the audience engagement coordinator here at Fringe. And also, this is my first time co-hosting this podcast, so I'm a little nervous, but we'll get through it together. We are doing this podcast, and we invite you to have a cocktail and enjoy our conversations with some of the most imaginative human people on this plane of the universe's existence, so welcome. <laughs> no, we are really excited. By the time you all will be hearing this podcast, the First Person Arts Festival will be starting at Fringe Arts. We have an exciting roster of events happening here, uh, including Felonius Monk opening tonight, November 7th. We also have Legendary and Grand Slam, and another show that we have that will be here on Sunday, November 11th, and also Monday the 12th, is Palante. And Palante is led by artist Gabriela Sanchez. And here today in our little studio, we are talking to Gabriela Sanchez and her mother, Virginia Sanchez, and one of the actors in Palante, Ivan Vila. Thank you so much for being here, you guys. Thank you for having us. Um, so we always ask first, what are we drinking today? <laughs> Wine. <laughs> yes. yes. We're all drinking the same. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, do a cheers. Yeah, oh, cheers to Palante. My friend from Ecuador taught me a special way to take shots. I don't know if it's special, but he just taught me like a, a like a Spanish like thing to say before we take shots, which was um oh my god, if I can remember arriba, abajo, al frente, para dentro. Yes. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> so that's uh that's been my not that this glass of wine is a shot, but <laughs> that's how we're drinking. It. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Awesome. So we'd love to just kind of start by talking a little bit about what um, you guys do, what your role is in Palante specifically, um, and what audiences can expect from the show. Yeah, my name is Gabriela Sanchez. I go by Gabby, and I am uh, the director Palante, and I'm really, really excited for this piece to premiere with French arts and first-person arts. And basically, Palante, what folks can expect is a lineup of intergenerational, also multidimensional experiences on stage of folks navigating Latinidad, navigating legacy, navigating tradition, navigating the five senses. And how do, how does moving palante, moving forward, how do we do that with our bodies and with our spirit um, and with all, within all the elements, right, that we navigate as a human being? And so really connecting the five senses with something to really say we're going to talk about the Latinx experience, but also humanity, right? Like we are living beings and how do we also interconnect with life outside of the human being force, right? How do we connect to plants? How do we connect to smell? How do we connect to um, each other in this world where so often folks feel like they're in their silos, right? And so mm. even among thinking about Latinx stories, right? 
um, we all have very different experiences and how mm-hmm. we even define what balante is for us looks differently, right? Um, how we navigate language looks different for many of us. Um, and also just learning about the different cultures, right, among Latinos that like that may be similar but also really different and unique to the certain cultures within the Caribbean and also uh, Latin America. So, yeah. That's just a little spiel on my end. <laughs> That's what we can expect. And then what is everybody's roles in the in the process? I'm Ivan Villa, and I go by Ivan or Ivan. I'm from Peru. But <laughs> so here in Palante, I'm going to be talking about Ivan, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be talking about what uh, Ivan uh, went through in life or what's going through in Ivan's life. And... What or how Palante it's going in my life, you mm. know, or what Palante means to me, and and I'm just very excited, you know. I was so excited when I, I got the invite to be part of this project, and I just can't wait for all of you guys to see the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's really a pleasure to be here. My name is Virginia Sanchez. Sometimes I'm called Ainalo De or Binji for my older <laughs> friends. Um, actually, I was a little reluctant to participate on this uh, project with Gabriela, and mainly because although I write and I'm a storyteller, I have done storytelling in my community in my own language, I had never done any acting or being in front of a large audience, but I saw a great opportunity to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And so my story is a story that many other community people have shared, and that is being removed by circumstances from the land that you dearly love. And so I go back to being a child in my experience and how it was very easy for children to be connected to um, all their open senses because the land helped for that. And the freedom that we held at one point, um, being able to play in complete freedom in the street with Mm -hmm. the children, uh, being in a tropical type of land, not living under the fear of the violence that the children uh, face here in our barrios. But um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was, you know, coming here into the United States from my island of Puerto Rico during the 60s and the big shift that happened in my life, you know, coming from being uh, in an environment that was very conducive to being close to nature Mm -hmm. and being aligned in such a, a beautiful way. Uh, with not just nature, but the whole, all the neighbors and everybody, how Mm -hmm. they were very supportive in the process. And then coming here into this country where, you know, there was uh, the turmoil of the 60s were happening and awakening to that and also learning about the political secrets and all the secrets that had happened to the women that I dearly love and my my own family. Um, so that's part of some of the things that I want to share, you mm. know, in, in this story. Awesome. What is it like being directed by your daughter? <laughs> I just have to call that into the space because it's a big question that we were talking about before. Well, you know, I, one of the things that I always 
have welcomed with my daughters was they always had their own boys. Mm -hmm. And even though that I was a very strong mom, I, you know, I welcomed them to express themselves and to say what they had to say. And so that had made a lot, a big difference in this experience for me. And the other thing that it has done being directed by my daughter is that I have discovered a part of my daughter that I had never seen and that I dearly admire. I mean, she's the kind of person that I will want to work with in the future. Mm. Uh, she's the kind of person that I will just love to have as a, uh, as a friend. And we are great friends, but, you know, like meeting this whole new person that is beyond her being my daughter mm. and that I have learned to admire. And as well as the rest of the group in this Palante, um, the people in Palante are very special people with very powerful stories. And I am the elder, but when we are, even though I'm called mom, uh, <laughs> when we are in the circle, it is a circle of unity where our age is uh, becomes almost like it's not a big issue. Mm -hmm. um, I become a little indifferent to the age gap there. Uh, it's more like we are in that oneness and in that eternal, you know, uh, awareness, yeah. mm. which is amazing to experience. Mm. What is it like, you know, hearing the stories, um, looking at both older generations and younger generations? Like, what are the trends? Like, how... Have things changed? Yeah, I think it really is contingent on each story. And so for me, I think hearing each story, I just kind of want to shout out the other storytellers, Rachel Rodriguez, Alexandra, Diana Rodriguez, and Early Ortiz is our stage manager who has been really helpful in the process. And so just wanted to give them a shout out because they couldn't be here today, but they are they their stories are so powerful along with my mother's and um, Yvonne's story. And I think one thing that we kind of see a thread throughout the stories is migration and immigration and movement and right. And how migration and immigration and movement also lives within our senses, right? How our bodies have to constantly uh, be resilient and stay alive to move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And be in the cycle. And so a lot of what I see may not be the actual, Maybe it's not just the themes of movement and migration, but also um, the visuals when we're connecting, when we're doing improvs, when we're exploring together and discovering together so often. We're, I'm getting these visuals of these like circles often and how we're like these cells working together in this really beautiful way. And so, yeah, I think the stories vary from what does it mean to also like deal with assimilation and what does it mean to preserve our history and our history? What does it mean to find pause in the moving forward, right? And stillness and balance. And I think language is something that has come up because I know that like my mom is very comfortable with Spanish. So you're going to, with this piece of Palante, I'm really excited because a part of me is very interested in like not giving the audience all the answers and all the mm -hmm. ingredients and that there will be Spanish in the piece and I'm not, I'm not interested in translating the Spanish because mm -hmm. that's also a form of, right, uh, in some ways, gentrification. I had someone talking to me about that, like, even language when we have to, like, adapt everything to, like, accommodate mm -hmm. everyone, right? Who's the ones that often have to do that, right? Um, and so for me, it's like, no, I'm okay with our Spanish being there and that, like, 
we can tell the story and the story can exist and live just like the passerbyers that we hear these languages, right? Or like, and that we're still, we're still able to engage. So I'm, I've been very interested in like, how do we tell our stories beyond the words? Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's also a huge form of connection and how it can model, right? The world that we want to live in and, and, and that we are in, right? Like that, we're not always good. I'm not always going to be able to communicate with everyone or even like connect, communicate with my senses within my body. Right. But there's verbally, but I may be able to like think about things differently or still make a connection in some way in this really abstract, but not abstract way of thinking. Right. Like <laughs> it feels abstract sometimes. Right. Like how, how can you communicate with folks that you don't speak the same language with or like that someone may have a disability, right? When we're tapping into the senses, right? Like, it's also learning how we're privileged in a lot of ways to be able to see, right? What is in half sight, to be able to taste, to be able to touch all of those things um, and be able to like talk about that and unpack that and figure out what that means to us. So I think the main themes that do come up um, are ones of just uh, what does it mean to navigate this world? And how can we do that together? And how we, each one of us, even my mom as an elder, she, she has, she has the wisdom, right? But we're still in search together. We're still searching for these answers. Mm-hmm. It's like, if we knew the answer, then what's the point of living, right? Ooh, <laughs> if you knew the answer, please share it with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, I'm, I'm personally as just like the, the person that has gotten to this place in my life, very curious about bilingual theater because I uh, like kind of speak two languages. And so it's like an interesting world and role when like you are presenting a bilingual piece of theater and there are some people who will have access to the whole scope of the piece because they understand both languages. And like, how does it change the piece when one person only understands one of the languages? Mm -hmm. Is that bad? Like, is it, you know, does, do you add something? Do you take something away? And I, I am personally of the opinion that, like, Americans can stand to sit and watch a show in a language that they don't understand. And, like, they'll still understand the message of the show. Because the theater makers are skilled and know how to communicate ideas even in a language that not the entire audience speaks. Mm -hmm. And also that it's just, like, good for your brain when you hear other languages. And so Mm -hmm. it forces you to look for things differently. So I'm really excited to be able to see Palante and see like, the Spanish activated in a way that I'm not, like, that makes me work harder, you know, Mm -hmm. to understand your piece, which is good. The audience should be working hard. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, when we think about, there was a moment that when we started the process, no one was technically using Spanish. And Mm. I was like, I want y'all to use Spanish. Like, once, (laughs) once, and it was interesting, right? Because folks had to have permission to use their language, which was just such... A moment for me of just being like, wow, mm-hmm. like our instinct is not even, we, don't, we won't think that we can use our language, right? Because of, of assimilation uh, and also of like the space, right? Who's our audience and, and having to make sure that we're accommodating everyone, but like just how like that's a part of the programs, right? That kind of strip us from our identity, right? And one of the also things that we talked about was that we can't make the assumption that all Latinos speak Spanish. Mm. Um, and so, and how I personally, I can listen 100 miles per hour, but I haven't practiced it enough to feel confident to um, maybe do an interview fully in Spanish. I want to get to that point um, because I, I do believe in preservation, but there's also like this real experience that I have with like 
being scared of saying something wrong or mm-hmm. and so and realizing that there's so many other people that feel similar to me but like we have created a space that now most of us have been using more Spanish in the rehearsal process a little mm-hmm. bit which has been really fun too because mm-hmm. like we're reclaiming and we have built safety I think one thing that's really important to just kind of note is the process for me the process has been more than the product, because I'm not worried about the product. I'm like, it's going to be popping, y'all. <laughs> make, sure you, make sure you're here on the 11th and 12th, because I'm telling you, like, I am not worried about how uh, how much they're going to slay on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was more worried about, could could we make this the best process ever for us? You know, folks are not getting paid a crazy amount of money to be here, right? They're not, like, they're being, you know, we're being incentivized and that still and having stipends. But, like, people are here because they really want to share and are willing to also step into some truths that are really hard mm-hmm. to share. And so it has been amazing to see the team work together um, and be so compassionate and open to one another. And I, I really feel like we have built a family in some ways that is going to exist beyond Palante, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, wow, like I've made some really good friends that I think are going to be in my life for a really long time. Um, and that's really exciting too. So I think family comes up now as a theme too of like the idea of what a traditional family is and mm-hmm. how do you, how do we create our families too? And like challenging the norms of how, of tradition, right? And that even thought of family, what makes a family. And I think we've cultivated quite a beautiful family together that like, mm, y'all are so good. <laughs> like, I feel like every rehearsal, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so lucky. <laughs> I'm like, this has been, this has, this has been a gift to my spirit. Mm. And so I just feel privileged to, these artists said yes. And these human beings said yes to this project and that they're, willing to stand in their truth and to share their truth and also be willing to learn and listen to one another. I think there's been a lot of growth too on how maybe some things that we thought about before, like our perception of things have changed by listening to other narratives too. So the same way we're kind of asking the audience to be open, we've had to do that process with each other Mm. to like model that and like that it's not this phony thing. It's this is not just a presentation of stories. This is so much deeper than that. I knew that when I kind of was, I had the vision, but I didn't realize how much it would shift my way uh, of thinking and also me as just a director, how how much I love directing. I was like, huh, I didn't realize I love directing this much. I was like, I thought I just wanted to be a performer all the time. But I was like, no, like this is so nice to see people have that platform and be able to have, I think with the direct, directing, you have the space just like when I'm producing to create safe space. And like, mm-hmm. really, we don't have to live under the pressures of what other spaces kind of, how oppressive other spaces are, I guess. Yeah. So. Feels liberating to be able to create your own space. And oh my gosh. control it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, not just like me, that it's a collective. Yeah, yeah. That we're like building community norms together. We're checking in on those things every time we finish uh, a rehearsal, we go around and do appreciation circle. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've put into practice with a lot of what I do because I'm just like, and we may say it already three times that we've appreciated someone with the <laughs> rehearsals that we have, but it's like modeling this world that doesn't happen. How often do your coworkers tell you that they appreciate you? 
you know. Yeah, Raina. <laughs> I tell you every time I see you in the morning. Like, good morning, Tanara. <laughs> Just know that means I love Okay, you. great. Okay, great, great, great. Um, so I have a, a question. This is a little bit about, you know, how you built this team and how you kind of put it all together. And so I'm wondering, like, did you guys, uh, did you and Yvonne, for example, know each other? Did you work together before? How did you kind of make that first connection? I saw Yvonne in Caregivers, Caregivers mm-hmm. um, at Pig Iron and... From that moment, I just remember being like, wow, like, he was just a very strong storyteller. And also, Erlino Ortiz was someone who had worked with Yvonne. And and from there, I was like, can you reach out and see if he would be willing to take on this project? So we had never worked together before, but he had a relationship with Erlina. For me, it was, uh, it was very interesting, like, like I was telling you before, that... Um, when I, I was invited to be part of the caregivers, um, I was afraid because I was coming back to stage after three years. Um, and then uh, Erlina, uh, a few months after the caregivers, uh, you know, is when she sent me an email asking me to be part of this project. But I was um, wondering who was Gabriela because, you know, I was not like I was too disconnect, too much disconnection from acting for a while. So, but I remember also. Um, uh, f- through my job, I went to, uh, uh, it was the presentation, the, the, symposium. the symposium. So Gabriela was there uh, presenting this 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 beautiful piece about, it was about drugs, right? It was on the opioid crisis, yeah. or I will say the health crisis, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> I like to name it that way, <laughs> the health crisis. So um, I remember uh, I was so impacted because um, I was sitting there and I saw her talking at the beginning and it was so funny because at that moment I was like nervous because I was supposed to do a presentation with my sister about uh, drugs and, and families, like how destroy, you know, the family. But, uh, and then um, when she started talking, I just felt like, wow, I just focusing on what she was saying and the whole piece. And then when, you know, this was over and blah, blah, and then uh, Erlina invited me. And when I went the first time, you know, when I, I said yes, of course, Erlina, and then when she invited me, you know, to the first uh, rehearsal, when I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe that it was her. And, yeah. and and it was like the other funny part was that when I, I met her, I remember the first thing I said, like, I'm very shy and I am very shy. It's weird. I mean, being an actor or, you know, doing what I do being shy and but with her I felt so comfortable that every time when you know we're in, in rehearsal and she said like who want to go first usually I'm the one who's going to hide behind somebody <laughs> but you know when she said that I'm like okay I'll go you know and it, it made me feel so comfortable and like uh, you know she was saying earlier like uh, it's like a family like uh, all mm-hmm. of us you know in that little time become so close that you know and I remember the last time when I was in rehearsal I was calling her mom you know <laughs> because uh, she makes me feel like she it's so sweet to see the interaction between everybody so it's just it's such a fun fun experience so you talked a lot about oral traditions cultural traditions that are pop up in Palante and so I'm curious especially because your mom is here but also Yvonne please feel free to answer this question what are some familial or cultural traditions that you guys share the two of you and also Yvonne that you're bringing into this piece from your own family and your own culture 
I just want to mention real quick, um, I forgot to give a shout out to our drummer, Tony uh, Mendez, um, who is a part of Bomberos de la Calle, who uh, keeps the tradition of bomba in our community. And so I, I naturally think of him when I think about tradition, mm-hmm. because I think a big part of why I was like, I don't want a sound designer. I want live music, yeah. because that's a part of my tradition of being Boricua. And also within, I, I feel like music is just a cultural thing, right, for lots of people. And and so the drums were, it was kind of like, I was like, I'm not a part of, I'm directing this piece, but the drums added kind of that place for me of being like that. That is like the drums are the heartbeat of the show and kind of keep the stories going. And I felt like I wanted that to be the someone who played bomba and who has been preserving um, that part of tradition in our community. And also, Tony had never he came to rehearsal. When was it? Yesterday? Yesterday, right? Yes. And it was a, and he had never he's never done this type of work before, so he was like really nervous. And then magic just happened. He was like the missing piece, mm-hmm. and it was just so beautiful. And so, just um, kind of like the drum things, that drum that we hear in the background, um, <laughs> the drums create a different atmosphere and can um, really amplify. Uh, storytelling and also just what we're doing. I think it really feeds to to what we're creating. So I think bomba is my offering. Um, I used to dance bomba, and Tony's teacher was also my teacher, bomba teacher. So there's a lot of interconnections too um, with yeah everyone who's involved in this process and tradition for you. There's there's some connections uh, that are remain to be discovered. In the group, I mean, we're doing a lot of exercises that bring us together mm-hmm. in a more very profound way, very profound way, very elemental way. Being able to embody one of the senses means that you have to step out of the box of the way we usually think. And connecting with another person who is embodying that sense, you know, and finding that link is, it has really not become a challenge. It has been very natural. But, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, learn about more of our common, you know, what are the commonalities in our culture? I mean, I'm sure that we have a lot of it that has to do with the religions that were impinged mm. upon us, like, you know, the Christian holidays, all these things. And then also uh, some of the things that we might end up discovering that we have coming from our native line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm also looking forward to find out what are the commonalities that between some of the other members that have a um, an African lineage, because mm. I also mm-hmm. bring the African lineage into my experience and, and the story that I will be telling. So um, we're still, you know, in the early process. Mm-hmm. We still have some time ahead of us to discover. And every time we do an exercise, we, you know, some type of memory comes up, is awakened. And the other things that happen is that we go, aha, there's this thing mm-hmm. that, you know, make us like very... Um, unique and that is it brings the comfort of being in that family setting but the what's causing it is that we have something 
that is the same, the same type of experience. Like for instance, one of the experiences that I had in, in terms of the Spanish language was going back and remembering how it was for me mm. to um, not be welcome, you know, because of my language and how I often felt excluded, even though that I learned English from the first grade. So English was not completely foreign to me, but it wasn't my way of expressing. Mm -hmm. And so that did not end it after I learned how to communicate much better in English. It continues on mm -hmm. even to this day, you know, feeling that it's not okay to speak, you know, in your foreign language. You know, especially when you're in the open, especially now more than ever, because the what's going on in across the country. Nevertheless, you know, we have to find our voices and we have to stand on our truth. And so when you have, uh, for instance, like last night, you know, I had a, a lot of tricky treaters came by, some of them teenagers. And I remember saying, speaking in English and shouting out some type of word that just didn't sound right to one of the young people. And the young person came back to me to correct me, turned around and correct, corrected me. Oh. And I'm like, okay, oh, okay. Um, excuse, but you know, this is, the, this is, yeah, well, this is the program that, you know, that we have received in this country mm -hmm. where there's always someone that has to try to control you. Um, so, you know, being in a safe space, like we have created for ourselves where we can, it's okay to express ourselves and mm -hmm. to awaken the memories mm -hmm. that might come up to one of the exercises where, you know, might bring out tears or might make you feel like you had to step out of the group and, mm -hmm. you know, collect your thoughts and collect yourself and find out where this is coming from. Where is this discomfort coming from? You know, it's very, uh, it's very healing. Because we need to heal those memories, all of us, that have continued to hold us back from having a full expression, you know, in our own humanity. So um, in terms of what we need to discover, I think one of the things that we have discovered is that there's a great deal of love among us. The group, I think, the love comes forward, the exercises... Um, really are meant to bring that positiveness and acceptance, you know, mm. to accept ourselves for who we are, regardless of where we come from. Um, you know, it, it's really palante. It really is one thing that we all have in common, you know, from childhood. We know um, the Latinx people know that, Palante means struggle, that you got to move forward every day, that you have to, you know, you have to make the best out of that day, that you have to work hard to be able to have a tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That continues on for all of us to this day. You know, it's that's part of our culture. Palante is more of a behavioral piece that's ingrained in mm -hmm. our culture. You know, it's, the, it's a way of survival. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to kind of close out. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about how we could, could you tell us where we could find uh, more about Power Street Theater um, and the work that you're doing? Yeah, you can go to uh, Power Street Theater with the R-E 
dot com. Um, our website is currently being worked on, but all the information is there. Um, and you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. We do not have an Instagram or a Snapchat. Um, <laughs> fully active yet, but but yeah. And I and I think it's like. Uh, if you ever want to email Power Street, pe- folks email us at times. Like so many opportunities have come just from like reach out. Um, we are here. Uh, Power Street is for the people, and I think that that's what's really special about us. Yeah. So the power of the people, the power of theater, Power Street Theater Company. And you can learn more about Fringe Arts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or at fringearts.com. And make sure to download the Fringe Arts app if you haven't already. And we'll see you all for Palante on November 11th and 12th here at Fringe Arts. Yes. Yes.